Welcome to The Factor, a global medical device podcast series powered by Agilis by Kymanox. Today's episode is hosted by Shannon Hosty, president of Agilis by Kymanox and assistant professor in the quality education program at Pathway for Patient Health. Dr. Christiana Hoffman and Richard Houlihan are back for part two. And if you haven't listened to part one, do that first and come back to this one. They chatted about transparency challenges and opportunities brought about by the ED requirements and how the delay in MDR implementation has impacted the industry. Today, they continue the conversation, discussing the complexities of UDI compliance and the impact of AI on data reporting. I think the AI side would be very, very interesting on the data after the fact, like for the reporting and the statistics. And one of the things that we we spoke about in the commission was open data sets. Now, an open data set is just a dump of all the data allowed public. Just And it would only be around the, the, the UDI data, never the clinical investigations or the vigilance. But... We had that discussion before I left the commission and I contacted them two, three months ago and they now said they have absolutely no plans to release open data sets, which I think is an awful shame. I'm hoping that they will in the future do it because from the market intelligence, from the statistics, you imagine letting a really good AI engine loose on that. Oh, you could have, you could have great fun with it. But at the moment, there's no, there's no plans for it, which is a shame. So you mentioned earlier, minimally viable. What do you think the functionality difference will be between the first release or I guess Udemed 3 and subsequent versions that we'll be following on right after that? I can't go into the detail on it, but the reporting, and again, I can't go into the details of exactly what the um, individual module requirements will be. That's kind of caught on the commissioner, very, very fussy about some of this. I don't know why. It's a database that everybody's going to get anyway, but I was very, I was going to say politely warned, but I'm not sure if that's the correct the correct phrase or not. But the statistical side, the reporting side, none of that is going to be in version one. None of it. There's nothing. But that will come as we go along. One of the things I had hoped for and had requested was a cloning function. Because when you're entering your basic UDI, that's fine. You go to your first UDI-DI and you have another 100 to add, tiny changes on each one. There's no cloning function. We put it in our software, but the commission wouldn't do it. At the time, they said it it would have been the commission entering data on behalf of a medical device company, which I think is a bit of a stretch. But anyway, something like that would be fantastic if they did it because it's such a time-saving thing. And at the moment, you have to enter every single field for every single UDI, DI. And the application was designed as a pretty application. So you do a little bit, save it next, a little bit, save it next. Whereas when you're entering data into things, you want to reduce the amount of clicks. I did have this argument and I said, look, This is meant to be a data entry system. It should be a long form that you've got the data beside you and you can go bang, 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 save, bang, 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 save. That's two of them done rather than another seven ticks each. You know, little things like that. I was told I didn't understand modern applications 
And I thought that's, that's very nice after 25 years experience, but Hey, some arguments I won, some I lost. Yeah. I can't, I can't go too deep into that one, but a lot, like I said, a lot of it is going to be around the reporting side. That makes sense. But be careful because there might be more mandatory things coming in. So you've started AirMed to support this. If I'm a manufacturer and I'm thinking about what I need to do for Udamed just to enter in the data, um, what kind of things are, are required in that? And what are some of the hurdles that you see with that? Um other than the line-by-line line entry for every yeah. product. Even before you get to the line-by-line line entry, the collating of the data, the understanding of what you actually need. One of the biggest questions that we ask, or we're asked, and it never ceased to amaze me that people panic over it. There's one field in there, and it's basically the first market you put the product on within the, within the EU. That's fine. There's 27 or Used to be 28 countries. So they were panicking. They said, we put it all on at the same time. What do we do? I said, pick one. And they said, but, but which, which one should we pick? Because, and I said, look, if you really want to keep people happy, pick the first one where your competent authority is in. And I said, nobody's going to shoot you if you get it slightly wrong. And they said, but this product has been there for 20 years and we don't have the exact date. I said, well, do you have an idea of the month? And they said, well, yeah. I said, well, put the first of the month. I said, if it's two weeks early or... I said, nobody is going to kill you for that data. That's more for historical reasons. And then they go, well, what do we do with the other, the other countries? I said, well, that's voluntary. You only have to enter one country, and it's the first country. Now, I said, if you want to enter all the other countries, I said, there's a section for the markets. And you can put them all in at the same start date, and as soon as you take one off the market... You can put in the end date, and that takes it off the market. And as far as Udemy is concerned, each time you do things like that, your markets get a new version. Now, the market's getting a new version, not a big deal. Your packaging getting a new version, not a big deal. The only ones you need to worry about are your basic UDI and your UDIDI. They're the two things you need to do. So from the manufacturer's standpoint, don't go at it blind. I have seen some absolutely horrendous data being sent to our systems and they're using our templates and in our templates we highlight the mandatory fields if you click new in the spreadsheet it highlights in orange the fields that are mandatory and it tells you what type of data should go in there and people still don't do it a bit of education a bit of a training session it'll frighten the life out of them when I first started doing the training sessions, there were eight hours. We start at about 8.30 in the morning and ends, end around 5.30. And the people's heads, they used to leave and they were sore. And I can understand it because it, it really is humongous. We split the, the content to make it less IT-orientated. And it's still IT, but you, you can dilute it down very well. So we cut it down to four hours, which gives them the core information that they have to know. And they're still stunned at the level of information and how big Udemed is. And this is only the UDI-DI model. This is just the device model, module. So they need to collate the data. They need to figure out 
if they don't have their UDI system in place, they have, that's a project that they have to do. You know, you're, you have to do that. If they're entering legacy devices and they don't have UDIs on that, we have a, a free spreadsheet that allows them to create all those for the it's a, just a generator based on a, an algorithm from the commission. But they have to lay it out clearly, bit by bit. You have to get this data from the marketing. You have to get this from R&D. You have to get this from the regulatory associates. It's not going to be everything from the technical file, but there'll be bits. And the, and within the medtech industry, spreadsheets seem to be the, the choice, which on my background and my education just has me screaming. You lose a spreadsheet, your data's gone. Get it into a database and back it up. It's just terrifying. But you can collate all this data in spreadsheets. But if you are going to do it like that, you also have to remember there's a lot of sections in Udemed where you can repeat data, where you can have multiple entries, trade names, uh, clinical sizes, endocrine substances. There's so many where you can have multiple entries. So you then have to put those into separate tabs because you don't want to repeat all the data. So what one guy commented on our, um, our templates, he said he's never seen a relational database in a spreadsheet before. But that's what you have to do because they have to connect. You've got your UDI on tab one. You have to refer to that on tab two, on tab three, on tab four. So the whole collating is huge. But do not underestimate how long it actually takes to put this data together. And if you want to bring in consultants to do it because your guys are all flat out busy, you can do that. But it takes time. And it's not something that Mary from QA can do one day a week, spending four hours in the morning, because by the time she's caught up on where she stopped last week, the four hours are going to be gone. This thing needs concentrated staff. Once you've it done, you're clear. Then you just need your procedures to keep it updated and update Udemed afterwards with the new versions, etc. But to get it started, you really need to have a very clear view of what you're, what you're doing. It needs to be a full project. There's change management in it because the RAs who may be filling in the data, they also need to understand a little bit of the IT side because when they're talking to the IT guys, this failed because it was related to some other business rule that connected to this piece of data. It is a quagmire. It really is. But actually, it's. Um, I think the starting point is um, way before. So assigning the basic UDI, I think you ha really have to have in place a really good strategy. Because if you're kind of grouping a family and you decide on that, and then you recognize, oh, it's not working. I have to change something. Then it's a real mess. Or then you have to upload everything again. So do you also consult in this way? Because I think this is a very uh, big or huge challenge for the manufacturer to at least define the basic UDI and to assign a family or whatever. We don't directly do it. We have partner companies that we pull in to do it. We currently manage the data side of it. But the consultants that we work with, they will go in and do everything. They will run the basic UDI project 
then there's a group that will go in and collate the data for you. And then afterwards, how do you manage the data? Because the notified bodies also ask, what's your UDMAD strategy? And if you don't have a strategy, some of them are being very, um, very picky about it. Do you have the feeling the notified bodies are kind of aligned or aware of really entering this data then in UDAMED, what this means for the manufacturer? The notified bodies are being treated in the same way as the manufacturers by the commission. They're private companies. The commission is not giving them as much assistance as they should, or at least that's what I believe. Competent authorities, they get everything they want. That's because the legislation said they had to get full support. But in a lot of the cases, the notified bodies, they're waiting for the same publications as you are from the commission. And then you go back to the commission and go, well, what, what do you mean by this bit? I've, I've had the, the response of the commission, we are not your regulatory consultants, go talk to them. And it's the regulatory consultants that have actually asked the question. Yeah. There is an information deficit. There is an information overload on how they've given some pieces to such an extent they presumed that was all going to be IT teams. I was at one working group meeting where they actually asked, is there any chance you could produce an idiot's guide to Udemy? And they said, no, it's software. Talk to your IT teams. Yeah. I had one German company and I said that to him, that this is what they said. He says, I've got 4,000 UDIs. He said, I've got three guys that fix the PCs. He said, they don't know XML or putting this data together. He said, they don't know about that. He said, what am I to do? So I gave him my card. There's nothing else I could do. Yeah, absolutely. Very difficult. So in the truck device combination area, there is now established a kind of um, advice group yeah, yeah. where also notified bodies are included. Yeah? They have to um, define now how this can work because they are not allowed to consult or give any advice at least to manufacturers. But this is existing. Would you think this would also be helpful to have this in place for Udamed, a group really working manufacturers, European Commission, notified bodies in, in a working group together? And really to have all the, the uh, challenges at rest from, from all sides? or Like a community of practice? The commission do have working groups and they do invite in these groups. But the problem is, if you're an invited guest by the European Commission and you make too much noise at the working group, you're not going to be invited next time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So on the outside, you've got your uh, Team MB, you've got the PRRC groups, and everybody's kind of looking after their, their own corner. But the, there should be something in the middle that explains everything. And it cannot be run by the European Commission because it, then it's their agenda, then it's their discussions. And at the working groups, then you listen to them. But hopefully it will work because, um, yeah, if you then recognize if all is established, it's not, not feasible for the manufacturers. And so far, we're three years late. Yeah. And we've pushed out dates. And with the sell-off periods, if your product doesn't have a, an expiry date on it and you manufacture it before a certain date, you can fill a warehouse and sell these things for the next 100 years perfectly legally. 
two questions. It's uh, with regard to FDA. So FDA also has the kind of UDI system. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Is there any chance of synchronizing that? So most probably not, because they also have included the combination devices. And yes, second question is how to deal with the, um, the DDCs, the drug device combination products. So there's a special group I'm working on. It's Article 117. It's actually a medicinal product, but it's a combination of pre-filled syringe. So there mustn't be a sign, of course, a UDI, because it's a medicinal product. But anyway, it has a medical device component. It does not track the Mudamet. That second question is probably one of the things that we dealt with in 2027 when they start doing this review. Okay. And then they'll take that little bit more control. They'll take they'll bring in they'll bring in more things. But that's moving into uh too much of a regulatory side of things. But I think I think the the review will work on that. Do you know I've forgotten the first part? The FDA and synchronizing systems. FDA, right. I've had this conversation a few times with people. And we've just updated our system to handle the good idea as well. There is such a divide between the two systems. Even when I was in the commission, we'd put some um, some analysts, business analysts on it to see what can we do to keep Udamed as close to it and still obviously stay within the regulations. They spent a few weeks on it and couldn't do it. So that's that's the first part. But if I use my crystal ball, and I look forward 10 years. Udemed at that stage will say is working perfectly for at least five years, at least. And we've all these wonderful statistics and trends that we can now very easily see and keep track of. I can see the FDA trying to go beyond Europe. So they will drag in even more. And then the next evolution, the Udemed crowd will look at it and go, oh, that's nice. And they literally just jump back and forth. Now, it might be 10, 15 years between each of these jumps. But if one side sees that the other is absolutely getting fantastic data and fantastic market intelligence out of it, then the other side would be very, very foolish not to adopt. They probably won't admit that that's what they're doing. But even, even within the commission, the FDA were still having conversations with the with the commission side during the time the regulations were being put together, during the time that Udemel is being put together. They do still have a quite a close relationship. So there was that attempt to try and get the oh what was it the um, the MDRF? I am yeah MDRF. They tried to kind of bring everything together, and now we've got well, five or six different big systems and things. Unfortunately, from the manufacturer's point of view, they're still going to have to have all these labeling teams sitting there checking the regulations in different places. It's going to continue being an expense for them. Yeah, and I've seen that, as, as you talked about that being a crystal ball, I've seen that that theme play out over the years. <laughs> like 25 years, you know, whether it's one thing or another, kind of TikToks back and forth uh, between European and uh, FDA regulations. I, I spoke with one guy um, from California, not California, Florida, and he helps startups. And he said 10 years ago, he was helping all these startups move from the US to Europe. And he said he was very busy. 
But he started laughing. He says, now I'm sitting with more or less the same people or they're the next evolution of them. And he says, I'm helping them go from Europe back to the States. Because at least the starting point is a little bit easier now in the States. They get up and running in the States. Then they'll come back to Europe, where it was the other way around for a while. TikTok. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like that thing for the piano that goes back and forth, isn't it? Yeah, there you go, metronome. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. So I have a question, and, and I'm admittedly a bit FDA-centric. I'm a former FDA, so I'm a little more aware of some of the things uh, on this side. But, you know, there are several groups like Advamed and Combination Products Coalition and ISPE has uh, communities of practice. And, and these groups are industry and uh, consultant groups that provide feedback to the FDA on certain items. They'll collect information from their, their members and, and kind of collate that into a white paper to report to the FDA on you know, trends and things that they're seeing. Is there an equivalent to that, uh, the European side, that can provide feedback as this is evolving? Before I answer that, I'll ask you a quick question. Does the FDA listen? I think so. Well, I'll answer it from having been, when, when I was at the FDA, I know when that information was received, we always had a task force to review that data and investigate um, that feedback and, and respond. Okay. So, and I'll, I'll tell you why I asked that. But we also have Madufa and Padufa and things on this side where there's some now then some contractual agreements between essentially industry and the agency, right? When the commission were looking at doing this extension, they opened up a little place where you could go and put your feedback. And there was a lot of feedback. Some, some of it was rubbish, like, oh, get rid of MDR, which was never going to happen. So some of it was just not useful. But there was a lot of very useful things in there. Like one for one instance, your legacy device certificate is expired. But you have got a letter from your notified body saying that you started the process so you can continue. In Udemed, your medical device certificate remains expired. One of the suggestions that we put in was that how about you add a simple field or a simple section where that notified body letter can be uploaded. So that if you're selling to uh, a Middle East country or an Asian country or something else that wants to see what the CE mark status is, they could go to Udemed, click on that little file and go, oh, they've got the extension, right? So that, that's just one thing that we had suggested. There was dozens of other brilliant suggestions in there from people. The commission thanked everybody and said they will add those to the review in 2027. So they don't listen now. There are the industry groups that you pay to join, like the MedTech Europe and things like that. They will communicate with the commission, but you have to pay to join. There's, to the best of my knowledge, other than the, the working groups or emailing directly to someone you might have met along the way that might listen to you, there's nothing official you can publish everything under the sun. I mean, all these people who come out and do these um, an open letter to the European Commission, they don't listen. They never do. The European Commission is this giant wall. But there should, there should be something. There should be an ongoing feedback. It shouldn't be left to um, reviews every five, ten years. But it also requires buy-in on the Commission side 
that they're not being conned by the industry. There is that suspicion there always as well. Right. And I'm a great, I'm a great fan of the whole European Commission, the whole project. But having been on the inside as well, I'm also very wary of some of the things that are being done because someone passed an exam. There should be more communication and more trust-based communication. How's that for an answer? Yeah. <laughs> I guess international standards give an opportunity for some of that collaboration. Again, that that doesn't yeah. directly address it, but just that model that pulls together the input from different stakeholders. But Certainly helps. All right. So I'm going to wrap this up. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about things that potentially seem insurmountable, <laughs> the building of the system, but then also the integration into the system. So before we wrap up, what's some general advice? How can people scale the mountain and, and move past? Literally, it's, it, it is very, very simple. Don't do it on your own. It will cost you an awful lot more money. What seems like an expense of outsourcing some of this if you look at the bigger picture and you look at how much this is going to cost you long-term, it will save you a fortune. We had one particular conversation with someone who had 43,000 devices, UDIs, and we were lining up to help him. And the guy asked the young lady who called the meeting, you know, how long does it take you to do one of them? And she said, well, the first one, maybe 35, 40 minutes, and then each UDI afterwards, five, 10 minutes. And he said, Richard, we don't need you. She can type them in. And the poor woman, it's an awful thing to do to someone. But that time that she will spend, leaving aside the horrible job, but the time that she will spend doing that would cost an awful lot more than bringing in a system. So the only piece of advice I can give people, don't do it on your own. It'll cost you so much more in the long run. For scaling questions, so I know. Um, I was involved when everything went to the UDI, when all of those systems were being implemented. Is it that same level of effort, do you think, that companies went through, what what was it now, 10 years ago, to build up their UDI systems? Is it the same level to then take that to the Udemed level? For some people, it's two separate projects. Some some of the companies in Europe didn't have UDIs. Mm. So they have to go through that whole process. But to get all the data together for the FDA, is far easier than Udemed. Udemed requires an awful lot more. So if companies are coming at this thinking that, actually, look, I did the FDA, we've got all the data there, it's not the same. First of all, the, the fields aren't the same. There's a few that are similar, but they really are not the same. I think they should consider it a completely separate project. There might be complementary bits in the middle as to how your, your processes work, but don't underestimate it going to climb a mountain, you have to have a plan and a Sherpa and a big <laughs> to guide you. Rope. <laughs> yep. Excellent. Um, and Christiana, any advice on your side for, for companies that are kind of looking at their MDR plans and their, their Udemed plans? I think it's, it's the same if you don't have in place the resources. I think kind of outsourcing some topics might be helpful. Yeah, if you don't have the specialists, because you must start now. You do not have the time. Or you do, do not have time to waste again. 
So the transition period will definitely end. I think there will be no more transition period. And then it's more or less done. Get your notified body. Actually, you must have registered already yeah, to have a chance to, to get MDR certified. Yeah, start now. Please start now. Yeah. And uh, if you need help, yeah, there is Richard for Udamit. There are several consulting companies like Kaiminox and Terrace Agilis. Take the opportunities for support. Yeah. You must, you must start now. And the notified bodies, yeah. I'm not sure, but I think might be they have a leg also at the moment. Yeah. Start now, take your chance. And also for all this biocom testing, a um, colleague of mine uh, told me there's also um, a lot of capacity and at the moment. Start now for your MDR application and efforts. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Excellent. And and I'll share, we'll share in the links below in this podcast for your companies, for AirMad and for Enteris, for folks to uh, get some more information. Thank you both for coming on the show and chatting with me on Udemed. Um, this has been an insightful look into this requirement for medical device manufacturers. And we want to thank our audience for listening and or watching this episode. Thank you very much. Thanks, thank you. And thank you for inviting. It was a pleasure meeting you all. That was Dr. Christiana Hoffman and Richard Houlihan. Be sure to check out Christiana and Richard's websites at antares-medical.com and udamed.com. That's E-U-D-A-M-E-D dot com. Thank you so much for listening or watching this episode. Please subscribe or follow this podcast in whatever app you're using right now. Or follow Agilis by Kymanox on LinkedIn for all updates. This episode was edited and produced by EarFluence. We'll see you again soon on The Factor.